Welcome to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. You can find us in Germantown Hills, Illinois, right off of Route 116, or on the web at greatoakscc.org. We come together to worship and learn every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. Come take your next step towards God together with us. Got it? All right. Hey, we are glad you're here with us. Um, something I, I, I'm sorry, real quick, something I forgot to announce. Uh, if you are interested in being baptized, if you're ready for that step in your, in your faith and your walk with God, um, that's going to happen next Sunday. And uh, we would just love to talk to you about that as pastors. And, and you can still be involved in that. You don't have to go through first step uh, to be baptized in this church. That's something completely different uh, than that, uh, that class. So uh, talk, to, talk to myself afterwards um, or go to the Welcome Center and fill out one of those welcome cards and write down that you'd like to talk to the pastor about being baptized and uh, turn that in there. So, all right. Habakkuk. Uh, for many of you, you've been here uh, with us through these last two weeks, and uh, we've, you've seen this diagram, you've heard Bill talk. And, um, but for those of you that uh, are just joining us for the first time this morning, let me set the stage for you a little bit. Habakkuk um, was an Old Testament prophet, which basically means that he had a message from God to deliver to a certain individual or a group of people. That's what prophets did. And uh, prophets, every now and again, were called to do some pretty crazy things for God. Um, but there's major prophets and there's minor prophets. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that the major prophets are more important than the minor prophets. It just meant that they talked more uh, and they were more wordy. And uh, so the minor prophets, their books are typically shorter. And uh, Habakkuk is one of these minor prophets. He has only three chapters uh, in his entire book, in his story. And what an amazing story it is. Um, he, he's part of the nation of Judah. And he's looking around and he's saying, you know, God, all over the place, there's just rampant sin in your people. The people of God, you know, they're not following after you. Uh, they're walking away from you. They're, they're doing detestable things, things that, that nobody should ever do. God, when, when are you going to do something about this? When are you going to restore the nation of Judah back to you? And as you saw in the video, the opener there, God says, you know what? I'm about to do something and you won't believe it, what I'm about to do. And Habakkuk, when he first hears that, you got to wonder, does he go, yeah, God is going to act. God is going to come in in a mighty way and he, he's going to bring back the nation to himself. And so, so Habakkuk, you know, says, yeah, God, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm listening, I'm ready. What are you going to do for us? And God says, you know what? You know that, that, that nation Babylon, those Babylonians? And Habakkuk goes, yeah, what, what about them? He says, I, I know who they are. He says, well, I'm going to send them in to, to punish Judah. And Habakkuk goes, what? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, God, I, maybe my, my hearing aid wasn't working right. Um, did you just say you're going to send in this, this ruthless, godless nation to come in and, and, and destroy our people and to take us away into to captivity and to enslave us? And God goes, yep, that's what I'm going to do. And so Bill introduced this, uh, this dip. Uh, illustration. And, uh, you know, let me just kind of walk through it a little bit for those who haven't been here. Uh, this X down here marks when you first commit your life to Christ and, and you're growing in your faith and, and, and life is exciting. Life is good. And, and, you know, you've united yourself with Christ and you think there is no problem in the world. Everything is good. I'm on God's side. That lasts for about 30 seconds. Um, and then you realize that bad things still happen to good people. That just because you're in a relationship with God, because you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, is not a, a one-way ticket to eternal bliss and happiness. 
but that bad things will still happen to you. And so you're growing in your faith. And here's Habakkuk. You know, he's been walking with God and, and uh, he's at this high point. He's, he's a prophet of God. He, he's talking to God and he says, you know, all this, this sin. And God says, I'm going to do something. And, and Habakkuk says, yes. And God says, I'm going to send in Babylon. And all of a sudden, Habakkuk hits a crisis of belief. Because this doesn't mesh up with the God that he knows. This makes no sense in his understanding of God, in his theology. And Bill taught us two weeks ago, our lead pastor, that, that when you hit that moment of crisis of belief, uh, you have two choices. You can either deny reality or you can get mad at God. And so here in chapter 1, you've got some notes there in your, in your uh, uh, bulletin, right? Go ahead and pull those out. I know, surprise, surprise, I actually included fill in the blanks. I don't normally do that. Chapter 1, Habakkuk is worrying. He, he doesn't understand. He's worrying now. He's worrying about the sin. He's now, he now added worry of the Babylonian horde coming in uh, to take Judah captive. So he's worrying. And then all of a sudden, he starts to slide down this hill into the dip. And the dip is that part where, where you're not understanding God. You're waiting on him. You, you're, you're trying to figure things out because you, you've just been presented with a new new idea about who God is, a new idea about life. And you're trying to wrestle with God. And in fact, as Bill taught us, Habakkuk, his name means to embrace or to wrestle. And so here in chapter 2, as Bill taught us last week, Habakkuk is waiting. And what do you do when you're in the dip? You listen. You listen to God. You listen for his voice. And he speaks to us through his word, and he speaks to us through circumstances and through other people. You just listen. You stop talking and you listen. You watch. Habakkuk says, I'm going to go up on the watchtower and I'm going to watch and see what God's going to do. And then you wait. And and we don't like waiting, do we? It's not something that that comes natural to us. It's kind of like when when you trip and you fall down. What do you do? What's the first thing you do? Anyone? You jump back up, brush yourself off and do this. Anybody see that? You know? I was in college one time, and, and uh, one time uh, for a few years, and, uh, but one day in college, I was walking, it was snow and ice, and I, uh, I stepped over this snow embankment, and uh, I didn't realize there was a patch of ice on the other side, so I just fall straight to my knees, and, you know, real attractive girls walking by, and I'm all embarrassed, and, you know, I don't know what to do, so I did the natural thing, I jumped up and brushed off and walked away hurriedly, and that's what we like to do, it's human nature, uh, when, we, when we encounter a crisis of belief, we want to move past it as quickly as possible. I, I've been learning, though, that what God wants us to do is to hold on to those moments, to sit there, to begin to listen, and to learn the lessons that God's wanting, us to, wanting to teach us through those times of crisis, through those times of waiting on God. So chapter 3, all of a sudden, we find Habakkuk worshiping what changed i mean we go from worrying in chapter one to waiting in chapter two to to worshiping in chapter three and and immediately you know without if you didn't know the full story you think well god called off the babylonian horde they're not coming in they're not going to destroy judah sorry you'd be wrong the babylonian horde at the end of this book is still knocking on the door waiting to come in waiting to kill destroy and to take away And yet we find Habakkuk worshiping God. Go ahead and switch to the the PowerPoint there, if you would, guys. 
here in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. It says, though the, fig trees, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. That is a heck of a change for Habakkuk to go from worrying to waiting to now worshiping God. And basically what he's saying here, let me translate it for today. Uh, if I have no money and I have no food, I have no place to lay my head. I have no job. I have no guarantee that my basic necessities of life will be met. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will worship God. And we've got to ask ourselves, what in the world changed in Habakkuk's life? What was his secret? Because we know his circumstance didn't change. Uh, see, I liken it to, uh, we, we've got the dip illustration we've been using. Um, as I was preparing this week, I, I thought of another thing. And that's, that's, you've heard the phrase hitting the wall. You know, where you're, you're, your life is going along, you're going 100 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden you hit a crisis of belief. You hit, something major happens in your life and you hit a wall. And you just slam down to zero like that. And we have those moments, right? And this is Habakkuk's moment. Habakkuk has just hit a wall. Hey, he's been cruising along. Life is great. Life is good. He's struggling with the sin of Judah, but, but he wasn't expecting this. And all of a sudden, bam, he's against the wall. Let, let, me, let me illustrate this way. I don't know if we can get some lights over here or not. Maybe, maybe not. We'll try. Um, if not, I can, I'll bring it over this way. All right. Let's say that up here, we're going to write down our current crisis of belief. What's the plural of crisis? Crises? I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Um, crises of belief. Um, what are, what are some, this is audience participation time, okay? What are some current crises? That's a weird word. Current crises of belief. Um, if you, you know, are paying attention to anything and you're not living under a rock, you know that job loss is a current wall that a lot of people are hitting. What else? What are some other current crises? Debt, okay. What else? War. Death. More. What's that? Crime. Yeah, I mean... I'll just tell you the truth. I don't watch the news because it's so depressing because everything is negative. Everything's bad, you know, but what, what are some of these things that, that we hit in life? And when we hit it, we either have this crisis of belief or life comes, you know, slam into a stop real quick. What else? Health. I didn't see who said that. Raise your hand back there. Okay. I still can't see you. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for raising the hand though. If I had a piece of candy, I know approximately where to throw it. So, what else? Homelessness. Okay. I'm going to label that under justice issues. Because we're dealing with homelessness, um, poverty, uh, lack of clean water around the world, um, child slavery, uh, AIDS crisis. A lot of justice issues there. Okay. Anything else? Hate, okay. Are you thinking like racism, hate? Terrorism. Terrorism. T or what? Hmm. 
Hey, it's not easy, okay? You get in front of a few hundred people and remember how to spell. All right. All right, one more. Anybody? One more. Obesity, okay? I would put that under health issues, you know, things like that. You know what, though? I'm going to add into here obesity, things like alcoholism, um, pornography, you know, just all sorts of, of life things. All right, good. Thank you. You guys didn't expect to talk this morning. We have. Here's what happens. When we hit this crisis of belief, when we slam into the wall, our perspective begins to shift. When we're in that dip, in fact, in your notes there, you've got that. When you're in the dip, your perspective begins to shift. Because here's what happens. You hit a wall, and you're standing here. And you're looking. And you see war health issues, crime, terrorism, racism, job loss, justice, all of these things. And you begin to get tunnel vision because all you're focusing on is this problem right here. And for a lot of you right now, you're in a crisis of belief. You've hit the wall, and that's what you're looking at. That's what you're paying attention to. Whether you realize it or not, you have just taken yourself, and you've stood right up against the wall. And you said, I'm going to look at this and this alone. Here's what Habakkuk did, because his circumstance never changed. So when, you know, we write up here, Babylon, okay? This is a big, big dip for Habakkuk. He's looking at Babylon, and here's what he does in chapter 3. He begins to shift his perspective. He's looking at this. He's hit the wall, and he takes a step back. All of a sudden, I can see a little bit of stage. I see the lights. see over here some instruments. If I take another step back, I can see some more instruments. Oh, there's a hallway back here. Did you know that? There's a hallway back there that I, I didn't notice that when I was here, that there was a way out. Because I tuned in to my problem. And what Habakkuk does never changes his circumstance. Babylon still comes in, but he shifts his perspective. And that is how he worshiped God. I've got a story here I want you to listen to. Watch this. I have no formal swim training. I don't own a bike, and I've never run farther than a mile on a set of prosthetics. And I said to myself, I believe God wants me to do an Ironman. Hi, I'm Scott Rigsby. I'm a double amputee and a triathlete. Well, I was uh, 18 years old. I was working a summer job with two of my best friends from high school. We were working for a landscaping company. 
and we were sitting on the back of this pickup truck. An 18-wheeler had been following us and decided to pass us from behind, so he moved over, and when he did, his vehicle clipped our vehicle. I got knocked off. My legs got lodged in between our flatbed trailer tire, and I literally bounced up and down the road over 328 feet on the pavement. For the next three years, from 1994 to 1997, I'm in pretty much a drug-induced coma, addicted to prescription medications. One day I had this conversation with a pastor friend of mine, and he talked to me for about two hours, and through my drug-induced haze, the only thing I can remember him saying is that, uh, that God had a plan for my life. That's really when I finally connected with God. Uh, I poured out all my hurt and my anger, and I cursed God for everything that he possibly was worth. He simply said, I'm glad you're finally being honest with me. It was uh, December uh, 2005. <coughs> I was at uh, probably the lowest point in my life. Even though as a Christian, I was lost. I was wandering in a, a desert of despair. And so I just said a simple prayer. I said, God, if you'll open up a door for me, then I'll run through it. Uh, about a week later, um, I was in a bookstore and I looked and I saw this female amputee on the front cover of Runner's World Triathlete Magazine. And Sarah, who had lost her leg above the knee, she completed that, had just completed the Hawaiian Ironman. And so right then and there, I knew that my purpose, I felt like that God wanted me to do the unthinkable. He wanted me to, uh, he wanted me to run an Ironman. I had this dream that you know, there were insurmountable odds. What I was trying to do was unthinkable. But what I wanted to do was change the world. I wanted God to use my ordinary life. I wanted to place my ordinary life 
in the hands of an extraordinary God so he could do ex- extraordinary things. There's a verse in the Bible, and I'll paraphrase it, but it says, I count everything but loss compared to the knowledge of the word of knowing Jesus. And really, you know, it doesn't matter about world records. It doesn't matter about um, being on TV or being in magazines. Uh, at the end of the day, when I put my head on the pillow, it's about knowing God, and it's about making Him known. And if I haven't done that day, then I've lost that day. And I haven't done that over the course of my life, then I've lived a lost life. Just like Habakkuk, Scott's circumstances never changed. But his perspective did. But it took him three years. You heard three years where he, he was in this drug-induced coma, in this stupor, and, and he, just, he was mad at God. And, and finally, it was through, through the words of a, a friend, a pastor, that, that challenged him and said, that God still has a plan for your life. And see, Scott could have stayed slammed against that wall. But he chose instead to take a few steps back and to gain a bigger perspective. Begin to see his crisis, his loss of, of his legs in the scope of eternity. And he began to see his calling and his mission for God to make a difference in this world. Same thing happened to Habakkuk. So how do we do that? Because it's not as easy as it sounds. I'll just tell you that, okay? This is going to be a huge step of faith for a lot of you. If you've never, never had to wrestle with this, that, that, that God still loves you and God still has a plan and that God can still bring good out of great tragedy and great pain, okay? So how do we do that? In your bulletin, I've got four, four uh, steps there. And uh, I want you to, to jot these down. Uh, when you're in the dip, what do you do? Uh, well, these are straight from Habakkuk. Uh, verse 1, uh, we see Habakkuk. Uh, he says a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. So right away, one of the first things that, that Habakkuk does after he's, he's listened, he's watched, and he's, wait, he's waited, is that he prays. He, he, he talks to God. He unites his heart with God. And, and, and let's be honest. Um, we, as people of faith, tend to pray more when we are in a crisis, right? Let, let's just Let's just... Stop the charades and say that most of the time when we pray, it's when we need something or when we bump up against something, a tragedy in our life, and we got to call on God because we're so self-dependent that we don't think about God when, t- when life is good. And so it's, it's very natural for people of faith to pray in a time of crisis. And what I think the greater challenge is for us to continue to pray, continue to unite with God, to allow him to shape us, mold us when life is good. Okay, that, that's a free extra lesson. has not really what we're talking about this morning, but um, write that down. You know, when you come out of your crisis of belief, when you come out of, of being slammed against the wall, you've got to continue to pray. You've got to continue to, to meet your God uh, in, the, in the, the prayer closet, he calls it. Now, well, beyond prayer, uh, he remembers. Habakkuk goes back. He, he enrolls himself in, in the history of God 101. He remembers all of the times that, that God has come out for the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah, and all the times that God has, has come through. And he, he remembers those moments. Uh, we see there in, in um, uh, where's it at? Sorry. Bring it up on the screen if you would. God came, verse 3. Uh, it says that God came. He just, he came from heaven. God came down and, and he, he, he was here. He was present. Uh, in verse 6, God stood and observed. So not only did he come and, and join with us, but he, he stopped and he observed and he, he took time to look at what was happening in the world. But he didn't stop there. In verse 13, we see Habakkuk remembers that, that God came out, that God took action. 
And we see here in verses 2 through 15, uh, the stories, uh, allusions to the stories in the history of the Israelite nation. Uh, in verse 7, uh, we see him referencing the exodus from Egypt when, when Moses led all the people out of Egypt and, and the nations trembled around him. In verse 10, we see a, a reference to the crossing of the Jordan River into the promised land when Joshua led him in. In verse 11, we see a, a reference to the battle at Gibeon when the sun stood still. Uh, we see in verses 14 and 15 the, the destruction of Pharaoh in the Red Sea. Uh, so, so Habakkuk goes and he remembers all of these great and amazing things that God has done for him. And his perspective is beginning to shift a little more. And we have to do that in our lives. When we hit that crisis belief, when we hit the wall, that we've got to step back. And we've got to remember this crisis and the scope of all that God has done for us. How many times has God blessed us? How many times has God been there for us? How many times has God carried us through other moments of crisis and gotten us through that? We've got to enroll in history class with God. Uh, because you know, what God wants to do is shift your perspective. And so we see there that Habakkuk does that. And what's the result? I love this. In verse 16, uh, verse A, the first part of it, it says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Uh, you know what that's saying? Habakkuk was shook from head to toe. When he remembered all that God had done for him, he, shook, he was shaken from head to toe. We need people in our lives. This is why we talk about small groups and, and mentoring relationships and accountability relationships. We need people in our lives who have permission to grab us by the shoulders and to shake us out of our stupor. To, be, to help us shift our perspective. When we slam against the wall, when we're in that dip, we need people who we have given them permission to add value to our lives, to speak into our lives, to come in and say, Chris, look at it in the bigger picture. Chris, you're, you're getting tunnel vision. You're dialing in on this. You got to remember the scope here, Chris. Take a few steps back. Do you have people in your life like that? This is why we talk about small groups. You know, we stress that so much around here because we can't do this Christian life alone. So Habakkuk prays, he remembers, and then he trusts. He trusts God. When he looked back and he remembered how faithful God had been, when he remembered all that God had done for him, he renewed his trust in God. He surrendered his heart once again. Second part of verse 16, Habakkuk says, Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation evading us. No longer is he saying, God, why? No longer is he saying, God, don't do that. Now he's saying, God, you have a plan and I trust you completely. I know that you will not let me fall. I know that you will not let me down. And though I don't understand why you have to punish us with the Babylon nation, uh, I'm trusting in you, God. I'm trusting that you have a plan here. And, and, and we're in our lives, we're going through things, and there may be times where we say, God, I, I, I don't understand it. I'm wrestling with you, God. But I trust you. Remember the key verse in chapter 2? The righteous will live by faith. If you get nothing else out of Habakkuk, the entire story of Habakkuk, take that verse home. The righteous will live by faith. I have two children, um, a little girl four years old named Morgan and a son who's uh, seven years old. His name's Ethan. And Morgan is fearless. Okay, um, she will do anything, jump anywhere, doesn't look, just does it. Um, we, we were at a pool party over the last summer and, and uh, you know, she jumps off the side of the pool, no problem. You know, there was a slide on the side and, and I said, you want to go down the slide? And she's like, yeah, I want to go down the slide. And so she slid down the slide and it ended up in about, you know, five, six feet of water. So I'm standing there and I caught her and, 
I kind of, you know, flippantly say, hey, you want to go off the diving board in the deep end? And she goes, yeah. Okay. I don't know if I, as her father, was ready for that one, that response. So I swim out to the deep end, and she walks up to the diving board, and she walks right up to the edge. Doesn't even stop. Just steps right off, you know, into the water. And I catch her. She trusts me completely. Uh, we have a, a set of stairs in our house, and, and I was standing at the bottom the other day, and she's walking down the stairs to me, and, and uh, you know, holding my arms. I didn't even say anything. I just held my arms to her like this. And three steps away from me, she stops. Doesn't tell me, no pause, just stops, closes her eyes, and goes like this and falls forward. You know? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, honey. Like, you got to warn me when you're doing things like that. But I caught her. And we do this thing called flip climb. She'll come up to me. She's like, Dad, flip climb. And uh, I'll hold out my thumbs like this, and, and she'll jump and do a backflip, you know, while I'm, while I'm holding on. Well, she's holding on to my thumbs, and I've got her wrist, you know. And, and then she'll climb up me, and she'll stand on my shoulders and then do a backflip off of my shoulders, okay? It is absolutely incredible what this little girl will do. Now, Ethan. <sighs> Ethan. Um, he's a little more timid, and that's okay. That's his personality. It's who he is. I'm, I'm coming to terms with that. Um, he, he's not a daredevil. He's not a risk taker. He won't jump off the side of the edge of the pool. He, he won't go down a slide. He won't go off the diving board. And, and, you know, he'll do the flip thing with me, and he trusts me on that, but that's low to the ground, and he's okay with that. But uh, we'll travel. We'll be on road trips. And, you know, once, twice, 3,000 times, um, I'll hear, Dad, are we lost? And I'm like, have I ever gotten you lost before? You know? That's what I want to say. And I'm in the pool, and I'm, I'm saying, Ethan, jump. And he's like, I don't want to jump. I'm like, Ethan, have I ever dropped you before? He, you know, I'm trying to coax him with everything. And friends, our Father in heaven is standing there going, have I ever dropped you before? Jump. Trust me. Have faith in me. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, you don't know how it's, how it's going to end up. But God is saying, jump. So Habakkuk jumps. And as a result, he ends up, the fourth thing there, he rejoices. He ends up worshiping God in the midst of his jump. We saw that earlier, verses 17 and 18. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. He jumps. He worships, he worships God. Because he knows that, that there's nothing that can take him away from God. You see, we need to understand there's a difference between uh, two words, joy and happiness. Okay? Write these words down. Joy and happiness. Joy is eternal. It is because we are in a, in a relationship with Christ, because we've accepted him as Lord and Savior, we have eternal joy and nothing can take that away from us. Uh, Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 38 says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what you face in your life, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That is eternal joy. Happiness, though, is circumstantial. It's based on, on our circumstances and what happens to us. And as a result, we can, we can go through life and we'll have times of, of celebration and we'll have times of sadness. Because happiness is, is circumstantial. And we need to arrive at that point where no matter what our circumstances are, no matter whether we're happy or sad, 
that we're joy-filled people. That that is never taken away from us. Uh, many of you know the verse, Romans eight twenty eight. 28. Uh, God works for the good of all who love him. Uh, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Do you realize that that's one of the most misunderstood verses that Christians use? Because they use that and they say, wow, you know, it's going to be all great and good. God is going to get me through this. He's going to come out happy on the other side. Nowhere in that verse does God promise that you'll see the good that he's going to do. You may never discover that this side of eternity, why you had to go through something. You may go through your entire life never having your crisis of belief taken away from you. And you have to be joyful regardless, trusting that God has a plan for what you're going through. Philippians, uh, let, me, let me share this first. Um, Mark Fair, our campus manager, uh, he's going in on February 18th to have some, some surgery done. And uh, it's been something that's been going on for a while and, and he's known about. And so he's talked to doctors and it just keeps seeming like it's delayed, you know, more and more. And uh, last Sunday, I, I made the mistake. I thought the surgery or the operation was this past week. And um, so I, I stopped him out in the parking lot. And I was just talking to him a little bit. And I said, you know, can I, can I pray for you? And uh, we just prayed while we were, while we were there in the parking lot. And, um, you know, I got done. And he's like, by the way, my surgery's in a, a couple weeks, not this week. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll still pray for you. And, um, but we were talking. And he, he said, you know, Chris, he said, it just it seems like you should be here already, doesn't it? He said, it seems like we've been talking about this thing for so long. And I said, yeah, it does. And I said, but you never know. I said, maybe there's a reason it's delayed until the 18th. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's a doctor or a nurse who's on the very verge of committing their life to Christ. And because you're there and your wife, Nancy, and because of the love that you have for God, and because of the church, that body that comes around you, that person's going to take that final step of faith. Who knows? It could be that. It could be something completely different. We never know. But we have to trust God, even if we don't understand it. Philippians 4, verse 14 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Uh, I love how Habakkuk closes, especially in light of this, this whole dip illustration. Verse 19 says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the, like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. And remember, we're talking about this dip illustration. Go ahead and, and pull that up if you would. We're talking about this dip illustration. You know, we're down here in the, waiting in the dip. We've hit the wall. And we begin to come out of that dip. And here we see Habakkuk actually express that. He says, he says, God makes my feet like the feet of a deer. And I go on the heights. I come out of the valley. I go up top again. And remember, his circumstances never changed. There's only two ways to climb out of the dip. Either the Babylonian horde didn't come, or they still didn't. And Habakkuk changed his perspective on who God was. And how he worked in the world. And for some of you, you're facing job loss. And that circumstance isn't going to change. Some of you, I've, I've heard stories it has. And that's great. You're out of the dip. But for some of you, you're, you're, you're facing job loss. And that circumstance isn't going to change. What you've got to shift is your perspective. Some of you have gone through the loss of a loved one recently. And that circumstance will never change. It's only your perspective. Some of you are struggling with, with major crises of belief, wondering why God isn't acting in the world today. And those circumstances will never change. But your perspective can. So are you willing to take a few steps back from the wall? Are you willing to allow God to work in your heart? Are you willing to, to see things in, in the bigger picture? 
And are you willing, even in the midst of pain and sadness and distress, to worship God? I want to close with these words from James. James chapter 1. I've taken a lot of solace in these words in the past. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perhaps the crisis of belief that you're going through, perhaps the wall that you've hit, is because God wants to grow you in some area. So will you listen? Will you watch? Will you wait? And will you worship? Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.